All right, First John chapter 4 is a beautiful chapter about the love of God, and there is no greater illustration of God's love than the Christmas story, God sending His Son to this earth. And look what it says in verse 10. It says, Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So right there, I mean, what an evidence of, of God's love, Him sending His Son. And then what a great evidence of Christ's love for us and the fact that He was willing to die for our sins. But I want you to notice in the beginning of this chapter though, in verse 1 it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We're not just supposed to believe everything we hear. We're not just supposed to believe everybody. Just because some guy puts on a suit and a tie doesn't mean you ought to believe him. Just because some guy is carrying a King James Bible doesn't mean that you ought to believe him. You better try the spirits. You better find out if this person really is of God. And one of the things we can look at, we see in verse 2, it says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. There are those out there today who do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. You've got a bunch of people over in Israel who call themselves Jews. They're not Jews, but they call themselves Jews and they say that they are looking for the Messiah when the Messiah already came. And the Bible says those people are actually antichrists that believe that way. Anyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jesus Christ. Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. And it's interesting how it says that uh, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Why does it mention the in the flesh thing? Because there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of religions that teach that, well, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ came. They'll call Him Jesus Christ but then they don't believe He's God. Well, then why does it mention that He's come in the flesh? Okay, because when Jesus came, this was God in the flesh. So it was very... And a per, anybody who denies the deity of Christ is not of God. They, I mean, these are people that we ought to reject. You've got the Jehovah's Witnesses out there who they talk about Jesus Christ, but they don't believe that He was God. Okay? We ought to reject those people. Okay? Jesus Christ, He has come in the flesh... And one of the ways that we know if a person has the Spirit of God, if they're the real deal, is they are going to confess this. They are going to, they're going to recognize the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that the Messiah has already come, and He came to be the propitiation for our sins. And so I want us to go back though, you know, kind of in honor of Christmas and the Christmas story, I want us to go back and I want us to look at the witnesses of Christ's first coming. Because I think it's interesting as we look at people who recognize that Jesus Christ had come either at His birth or in His very early years. Because there weren't that many. I mean, when you think about the fact that you know the coming of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest events that the world ever saw, God coming to earth in the form of a man, I mean, that should have been big news. But was it big news? It absolutely was not big news. It was... I mean, it was of no significance to the world as far as they knew. Nobody cared. We know the story how there was no room for them in the end. I mean, they, Jesus had to be born in a stable. Why? Because nobody cared about Mary and Joseph. They did not appear to be anybody of importance. But the truth is, 
Well, I mean, they were of great importance. Mary is carrying the Son of God in her womb and people had no idea. But I want us to look at those who did recognize Christ's first coming. And I think there's some things that they have in common that we can learn from that I think uh, there's some good uh, application we can see. But look, go over to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and 2 and Matthew chapter uh, 1 and 2, most of this message. But in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, I believe Mary, she's the first person that understands or that recognizes that Jesus Christ had come to earth, that God had come in the form of a man. And it says in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And when it says the sixth month, talking about six months from the time that Elizabeth conceived because she had a child named John the Baptist. Okay, And so it says, "...to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary." And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. I mean, imagine finding out that about your child. I mean, imagine, you know, every mother when she's carrying a child, she has dreams for that child and she has great hopes for that child. But imagine an angel coming and telling you, hey, he's getting the throne of David and his kingdom is going to be forever. I mean, that's some pretty exciting news right there. But understand, well, I think every mom probably thinks, you know, my son could be the president if he wanted to be. You know, most don't get, the, don't get this excited or, or think this highly of their son's chances. But at the same time, too, imagine how it was for Mary who's thinking, what are you talking about? I've never even known a man. We do believe in the virgin birth of Christ. And she, Mary was. Mary was a virgin. And so she's, she's wondering how this thing can be, seeing that she knows not a man. Verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, of whom was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And so right there we see the story of how Mary found out. And Mary, she gets this message from the angel. And you know what? Mary, I like what Mary said to her. You know, Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word. And I, I, maybe I shouldn't even bring this up, but you know, I, there was some stuff I heard about it on the news. People were trying to basically, say some feminist group that, you know, if you believe in the virgin birth or whatever, it's like, you know, it was like a rape because Mary didn't give her consent. Well, here we see she gave her consent. She said, hey, if that's what God wants, that's fine with me. So she was, she was okay with carrying the child of the Lord. Alright? And that's just garbage. I just, the stuff that people come up with these days just shows how wicked our world is. We've got a wicked, sick, twisted world. And it'll even take a story like that and want to use that to promote junk. I mean, just garbage. 
But you know what? They just don't know their Bible. And Mary was, I believe she was a very good, godly woman. I don't believe Mary was perfect though. I do not believe Mary was perfect. I believe Mary was a sinner. Mary said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. If Mary was without sin, why did she need a Savior? Mary did need a Savior. And Mary had to get saved like everybody else. But I do believe she was a good woman. It says that she had, she had, she'd found favor with God. She said, thou art highly favored of God. I mean, she was a special woman. But what's interesting about that, the Bible doesn't tell us why she was highly favored of God. I mean, I think there's things that we can kind of see in the Scriptures about Mary that shows she was a very special woman. She clearly was a woman of great faith because when an angel tells her she's going to conceive, not ever having known a man, she believed that, didn't she? That took great faith right there. That had never, ever, ever happened before and it has never happened since then. And yet, when an angel told her it was going to happen, you know what? She believed it. And I believe she was a woman of great faith. But at the same time, you know, who was Mary? She's really a nobody as far as the world's concerned. Once again, when she's having her baby, nobody cares. When she comes to an inn wanting a room to stay, sorry, we don't have a room for you. And I think it's pretty sad the way today, you know, people in our world today, and I'm sure it was the same way back then, you know, if it's royalty that has a child, everybody goes nuts. You know, if it's Prince William and Kate that's having a baby, I mean, it's just big news. It's in all the magazines. And you know what? The royal family, they don't even do anything anymore. I mean, they, they don't do anything. Nobody even knows why they're there. And yet, everybody makes a big deal when they have a baby. You know what? Who cares? Alright? Who cares? And the truth is, you know, the world, I mean, the world makes a big deal when the Kardashians have another illegitimate child. You know, it's big news. They're in the covers of all the magazines. They all make a big deal about it, but yet when Jesus was born, nobody cared, nobody paid attention. You know why? Because Mary was a nobody as far as this world is concerned. So keep that in mind about Mary. So she was one who recognized, though, who Jesus was uh, when He came to this earth. And then look at verse 39. The next person, right? I believe the next individual who realized that uh, God had come to earth was... A baby in a womb. John the Baptist. Look at says in verse 39. And Mary rose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into the city of Judah. Alright, she's going over there. Why? The angel told her, hey, your cousin Elizabeth, who was called barren, you know, in her old age, she is with child. She's six months into it. And so I don't know, I don't know if maybe Mary wants to go talk to her just because she's probably thinking, nobody's going to believe me when I tell them I'm pregnant and that it's of God. Nobody's going to believe me, but you know what? God's done a miracle with Elizabeth, like the angel said. So you know what? I'll at least go talk to her. I can talk. She'll probably believe me if I go talk to her because she knew nobody else was going to believe her. And so in verse 40, it says, "...and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary..." The babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things 
which were told her from the Lord. And I like how she said, blessed is she that believed. Right? She did. She believed that angel. That was, that was significant. That was of great importance. We know Mary was a saved woman. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For He hath regarded the low estate of His handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And you know, people do today, they'll call her the Blessed Virgin. A lot of times it's the Catholics talking about that. But you know what? She was a Blessed Virgin. Now, she did not stay a virgin. She ended up getting married. She ends up after Jesus Christ was born, after the days of her purification. The Bible says that you know, Joseph and Mary, you know, he says he knew her not until the days of her purification were ended. And then we know later she had more children because the names of four of Jesus' brothers were named and it mentioned that he had sisters too. So she, was, uh, she, you know, she went on to have a normal marriage and a normal life after that. And so, but in this story... I think it's interesting how we see that John the Baptist noticed that who, who was there, that Jesus had come to earth. We see that just as Mary comes in the presence and he hears the, you know, Elizabeth hears the voice of Mary, the babe, John the Baptist leaps in her womb for joy. And what is the one thing we know about John the Baptist? It was prophesied that he would be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And so we see that because John the Baptist, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, even though he's in his mother's womb, he was able to recognize the fact that this was the Son of God that was in his presence. You know why? Because all those who are of God, all those who are of the Holy Spirit, they will recognize the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We saw that in 1 John chapter 4. And so even a babe from his mother's womb that had the Holy Ghost he recognized who Jesus was. And that's why we can say without any shadow of a doubt and without being wrong one bit, anybody who says that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, anyone who says that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, they are not of God. They don't have the Spirit of God. We should not listen to those people. Okay, So, there is no doubt about it, but John the Baptist and Elizabeth, okay, and as a result of what took place there with John the Baptist, all of a sudden, Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Ghost and Elizabeth... I mean, boom, right there, she's just calling out, hey, what is the mother of my Lord doing here? And you know what that had to do for Mary right there? She's like, well, I thought I was going to have to do some convincing. But not only, and not only was that probably a relief for Mary to know, hey, Elizabeth believes me, but if there was any doubt in her mind before, hey, was I just dreaming that night? You know, something, you know, something strange going on? After she just goes into the presence of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth tells her exactly what's going on. She knows, okay, this is in fact of God. And I believe it was after her time that she spent there with Elizabeth, all of a sudden now, she's now got the courage to go back and tell Joseph what's been, you know, what has happened. And so, but the first people we see, Mary, then John the Baptist, Elizabeth, they recognize. And John the Baptist and Elizabeth, okay, Zacharias was a priest, but he wasn't the high priest. Okay, you know, he's just he's one of you know many priests that they had in Israel. These are not, you know, super special, well known, famous people, anything like that. But then there's Joseph. Turn over to Matthew chapter one and verse eighteen. So we see that in the story uh, with Mary in verse fifty six of John uh, or of Luke chapter one, it says, And Mary abode with her about three months 
and return to her own house. So after Mary gets pregnant with Christ, we see that she ends up going to Elizabeth's and she's there for three months. So now she's to the point now where she's going to start showing. Now she's got to go back and she has to tell her espoused husband. And an espoused husband was basically, that, that was somebody who legally was your husband. Okay, If you were a spouse, a custom that they had then, you would be a spouse. It's kind of like an engagement today, except they were actually technically married, but they would not come together physically until after about a year was the custom that they had back then. And so Mary and Joseph, while they technically were married, they had not come together physically. That was something that they would do later on. And so it wasn't necessarily illegal you know, to, you know, get pregnant in that case. But at the same time, it was just kind of something that was frowned upon in that culture. So whenever Mary turns out she's pregnant, she's not necessarily going to be in trouble with the law they had back then because often they would stone adulterers and things like that. But she was going to be in trouble with Joseph, her husband, because of the fact that Joseph knows that's not my child. Okay? And so when we look at Matthew chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, physically speaking, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Okay, And put away means divorce. Okay? He was going to divorce her because in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you were allowed to divorce if it was for fornication. And what that means, not adultery, but fornication. So if you were espoused to someone, but you had not come together yet physically, and you found out that your, uh, your spouse or your, uh, the one you were espoused to had been with another man, you were allowed to divorce them by that law. And so Joseph, he's wanting to put her away privily or privately, quietly. He's not wanting to make her a public example. Maybe he's not wanting her to be stoned or whatever. You know, he, he loved her, he cared about her, but he's like, you know what? I can't marry her. She's been unfaithful. This is not my child, so I'm going to divorce her, is what he was going to do. Because for the cause of fornication, uh, you were allowed to be divorced, but not after you had come together. So he's that's that's what the Bible's talking about right here. But in verse twenty it says, But while he thought on these things, behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold a virgin shall be with child, and bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So we see Joseph, he did what he was supposed to do, or he did what the angel of the Lord uh, told him to do. We see Joseph obviously recognized who Jesus was. Joseph also believed the report of the angel, and Joseph is another one who recognized the fact 
that when Jesus Christ was, was born, that this was in fact the Son of God on earth. And in the case of him, you know, he learned through an angel, just like Mary. Mary and Joseph, it was revealed to them through the angel, through John the Baptist and Elizabeth, it was revealed to them through the Holy Ghost. And then look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. So, at this time, the only people, as far as the Bible tells us, that knows what's about to happen is Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth. Okay? And John the Baptist, who would have just been a young baby at this time, they are really the only people in the world that recognize what's about to happen. And this is the big thing that's about to happen, but only they, only they knew. So when Jesus was born, there was no big celebration. There was no big parade. There was no paparazzi around trying to snap pictures and be the first ones to get a picture of the baby. None of that stuff was going on like we see going on today when famous people have kids. None of that happened with Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, says, this is right after, or verse, let's read verse 7. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. So not only... Is this the Son of God? But He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He doesn't even have a proper blanket. He doesn't even have a proper bed. He's laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. But verse 8, it says, And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people... For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's another unique thing too. You're not going to see every time a baby is born. Them wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so imagine that. Somebody so big, somebody so important that when he's born, a multitude of angels show up. But they say, hey, here's the sign you're seeing the right one. It's not going to be the baby that's born in a castle somewhere. It's not going to be the one that everybody, the big crowd's waiting for. No, you know, you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Notice how Jesus came in the most humble way possible, humble family, no, of no importance. But it says in verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So we see the shepherds are the next ones to notice it. And I, I like their faith. They're like, hey, let's go, see, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. God revealed it to these lowly shepherds. God didn't reveal it to the king. God didn't reveal it to the local news media, you know, or whoever the, you know, the big people were in that town. No, it's these shepherds that are just out watching over their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. But notice too how the shepherds, when they found out what had taken place, what did they do? They spread the word, didn't they? And I find that interesting because of the fact that 
I, I think it's safe for us to say that nobody believed him. Because, you know, why wasn't there like a big mob coming there afterwards? You know, why wasn't this something that was remembered in the years to come? Why was it that Jesus, his entire life, basically was a nobody? Why is it that when he was 12 years old, and he's talking to these doctors and all these smart people, and they're just blown away by his questions and just how, how smart he is. Why is it they're asking, you know, who is the son? Why weren't they saying, hey, is, I wonder if this is that child that was born in Bethlehem 12 years ago that we all heard about, that the angels announced the birth of? Nobody seemed to remember that. Whenever Jesus came into his own hometown in Nazareth, years later after he started his ministry, what did they say? Is not this the carpenter's son? You know, and they didn't listen to him there. Why weren't the people there saying, "Hey, this is the son, this is that one who, when he was born, angels showed up"? See, it's very clear. I think that the shepherds told people what happened, but I think it's safe to say people didn't believe him. No, nobody believed him. It didn't make any big news. But you know what? The shepherds knew. The shepherds knew. They had no doubt. They, it was revealed to them by the angels, and then they went and they saw it for themselves. And, and they believed. And so, the angels revealed it to just the common man. They, they revealed it to those who would believe and go tell other people. And isn't that what God does with us? When we get, we get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go tell other people. And why do we get saved? It's not because there's anything special about us. There's nothing important. What's different between us and the rest of the world? We believe God. That's, that's it. That's all there is to it. So, Obviously, most must not have believed their report, but I do believe this this story, you know, that Luke wrote about. I personally believe that God preserved this story through Mary, because of the simple fact it says in verse nineteen. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds came because you know Mary was probably wondering, "Hey, how did you know to come here?" They told him, "Hey, we were out just watching our, you know, our sheep." And an angel showed up and told us. And then we saw a whole multitude of them in heaven saying, Glory to God in the highest. They told Mary about all these things and she kept them and she pondered them in her heart. And I believe she was probably the one that spread the story to everybody else. She probably told Jesus about it. Jesus probably told His disciples about it. This is something that was, I believe, kind of preserved through her. So, once again, even though news has broke to these shepherds, it's still not widespread. Even though they talk to people about it, the world and even Israel and Jerusalem, they still don't know what's going on. Okay? They didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Twitter, you know, these shepherds weren't able to tweet it and get the word out that way. You know, it was pretty much word of mouth and somehow it was forgotten. and nobody seems to care. So in verse twenty five, we see another man though who recognized who Jesus was when He came. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. So we've got another special guy who, you know, he's a priest. Once again, though, he's not the high priest. He's not the most important guy in town. He's not this great big shot. But you know what? He was somebody that was waiting for the Messiah. He was somebody that the Holy Ghost was on in his life. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child to do for him after the custom of the law, 
Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared for the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So what an amazing thing this must have been. So they are. One of the things that's neat about Jesus' parents, about Joseph and Mary, is the fact that part of the keeping the law, you know, there were certain things that they specifically had to do for Jesus. Jesus has come to this earth to fulfill the law. And He fulfilled every little detail of the law. And one of the things that had to be done, Jesus had to be circumcised on the eighth day. There were certain offerings that were supposed to be brought, specific offerings for a firstborn child. And we see Mary and Joseph, they were following the law like they were supposed to. They're doing these customs. And so they bring Him in there. Just like a normal firstborn Jewish child to do according to the customs of the law, and but when they did, they didn't tell him, "Hey, guess who this is?" You know, they didn't say, "You know, this is the Son of God." No, Simeon. Why? Because he had the Holy Ghost. He recognized it. as soon as he saw him, he took him up in his arms. And think about it. He held this baby, knowing who it was, and he said, "Mine eyes have seen thy salvation." You know that right there destroys a work salvation. Think about that. Why would he look at Jesus and say, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation? You know why? Because salvation comes from Jesus Christ. It does not come from us. It does not come from our works. It does not come from a baptism or a church membership. It comes from the work of Jesus Christ. And so when he's looking at that baby, he is seeing salvation right there. And he recognized that. And I like how the Bible keeps mentioning how he would talk to Joseph and the child's mother. Why? Because Joseph was not the father. Okay? God was the father. Jo- uh, Mary, though, was the mother. And so we see how that's just very specific. You know, Simeon blessed him and said unto Mary his mother. You know, he recognizes that this, is, this isn't Joseph's child. Okay? It is Mary's, but it's not Joseph's because this is the Son of God. So Simeon, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, verse 36, says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. So she had been a widow for 84 years, and she had been married for seven years. So I don't know how old she was married, but this, this woman's over 100 years old. Okay, she's over a hundred years old, and she was somebody who served God. It says that she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Hey, listen, there might not be a whole lot you can do physically, but you know what? Right here we see one of the ways that she served God was by fasting and prayers. You know what? Anybody can pray. I don't care how bad health you're in. I don't care how old you are. One thing you can do is you can be a prayer warrior. 
And here we have this lady. She is a servant of God, serving the Lord in the temple. She's not physically really able to do anything. She's over a hundred years old. But you know what? She had a close walk with God, and she was uh, she was a prayer warrior. And so when she sees the child, says, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She saw that baby. Why? Because she has the Holy Spirit of God on her too. And when she sees him, you know what? Everybody who's looking for redemption, everyone who's looking for salvation, guess what she did? She did the exact same thing that we should be doing today. She pointed people to Jesus. This woman also... An old widow lady of no great importance, of no great significance, it was revealed to her that Jesus Christ had come to this earth. And what amazing that was. But then the last person I want to show you, or not, uh, we're going to briefly go through this. There's really two more. So, of course, there's the wise men, all right, in Matthew chapter 2. Now, understand the wise men, I believe that they realized that Jesus had come to earth when He was born. They'd seen His star, but understand, they had a long way to travel to get to where He was. They did not show up at the manger. That is not in the Bible. We've all seen the pictures. You know, the three wise men uh, you know, showing up at the manger. That is not how it happened. Right? I hate to you know, ruin all your nativity scenes. All right? But at the same time, that's just not what happened in the Bible. And it says... In Matthew chapter two verse one, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in those in, in the days of Herod the king, behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. We're not going to read. We don't have time to go through that whole story. But so these wise men they show up to Jerusalem, and they are wanting to. See this king. They want to come worship him. They want to come bring him gifts. And so it was revealed to them by this star. They'd seen his star in the east. And then let's jump down to verse 7. It says, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Okay? He's asking, When did this star show up? When did you see this? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So it's not a baby. He's a young child at this point. This is probably about two years later. It says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. Notice they're in a house now. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. So we see the wise men were another group that recognized what had took place that day. It took a while before they showed up. But the reason that we know it was two years, we see that when uh, you know Herod finds out that the wise men weren't coming by, back and weren't going to tell him who this child was, he went and he killed all the male children from the ages of two and under because of the time that he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So at this point, it's been when, when Herod, and I'm going to be preaching about this tonight, when he puts that order out to kill all the male children, in Bethlehem from two years and under. It had been two years. So, 
Uh, we see that the wise men, they recognize it, but also Herod. Herod realized what had happened. Herod realized what had come, but it's interesting that Herod is the king. Herod is the one big shot that finds out about it. Herod is the one guy of great importance. He's the one that's of great riches. But yet, what does the Bible tell us about him? We know that he rejected. And you know what? There's many people out there today who they know the truth about Jesus Christ or it's been revealed to them. The Holy Spirit has spoken to them. Maybe somebody has presented the Gospel to them. But you know what? They have rejected it. And I think that's what's interesting about this is when you look at all these people that that are mentioned. These are people not of great importance. Now these wise men, you know, we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orient. Do we know they were kings? How do we know these guys were of great importance? We know they were wise. Okay? We know that about them. We know that they, you know, obviously had some understanding. We know they had, I guess, some riches to be able to travel and bring these things. We don't really know a whole lot about those guys. But turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show you something because I think there's a, a lesson we can learn from all those who recognize or who are witnesses of Christ's first coming. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, it says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Okay? Obviously, there are some wise people according to the world. There are some mighty who get saved. There are some, but there's not a lot of them. Okay, There's not a lot of them. Thank God there are exceptions. But there's not a lot. And we do see there were some wise men that showed up and that recognized Jesus at His first coming. But it says in verse 27, "...but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty." and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord." That verse reminds me of the very people who God revealed His first coming to. It wasn't the mighty. It wasn't the smartest people. It wasn't the well-known people. It wasn't the famous people. It was just your humble, common, ordinary, everyday people. And in many cases, despised people. People of no, of, of, you know, the ones that many would look down on, those were the ones that God revealed these things to. And I believe the reason for that is because we see that God hates when we glory in His presence. No flesh should glory in His presence. Folks, we are sinful. We are, I mean, there is nothing that we do can do to impress God when it comes to our holiness because of the fact that we are just so sinful. But it says there in verse 30, but of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. All those areas where we lack, Jesus Christ makes up for those things. And yet there are many people today who they think they are the whole package. They think they've got all the wisdom. They think they've got all the godliness and the holiness. And these are the last people that God ever uses. 
These are not the ones that God reveals things to. God uses the humble. God speaks to those who are lowly. God speaks to those and God uses those who are just dependent on Him and will believe His Word. And too many people today, they've got this attitude that you know what? I'm just a nobody, therefore God can't use me. But the truth is, God uses the nobodies. God doesn't use the big names. You've got all these people they're always just they're, they're always looking to the presidents. They're looking to Congress. They're always looking to just the rulers of this earth. They're always looking to the big names and the famous people. You know, you've got Christians today that they get all excited and they want to make a huge deal if some athlete, you know, is a Christian. I mean, if some famous athlete, you know, mention, you know, just gives glory to God for a home run that he hit or something, all of a sudden now he's getting asked to speak. And all the big churches. You know? And oh man, God's going to greatly use this guy. Why? Because he's famous? Hey, that's not who God uses. That's not who God speaks to. God speaks to the humble. God speaks to the lowly. You've got these people going to these mega churches today thinking, you know, look at this gigantic work that this man has built. Obviously, he is the one that's going to have the answers. This guy obviously knows what he's talking about. God is using him. No, God's not using those people. God uses the humble. God uses the lowly. When one of the greatest events in history ever took place, the birth of Jesus Christ, the only people that knew about it were nobodies. People of no great importance. But they were people though that had the Holy Ghost. They were people that believed God when He told them things. They believed the Word of God. And you know what? There is no reason why we can't be those people. There's no reason why God can't use us that way if we'll stay humble. If we'll just believe God. If we'll just trust His Word. He could use us in the same way. And we see that one that uh, you know in 1 John chapter 4 where we started out, that you know, the way we can know the spirits, the way we can know if these people are of truth is if they are speaking the truth about Jesus Christ. If their message lines up with the message of the Word of God, we can trust these people. Doesn't matter, you know, God never tells us to look at the size of their ministry, to look at their riches, to look at their intelligence, or anything like that. The Apostle Paul, he didn't use great swelling words of man's wisdom when he talked. The Apostle Paul didn't try to act like the Calvinists do and just using all the big fancy words that he knew. You know, he didn't, you know, go speaking in Greek and all these other languages to try to impress people like the Calvinists always do. He used great plainness of speech. That is what he did. And you know what? God used the Apostle Paul in a very great way. And you know what? That's what we need to learn from today. We need to learn from these witnesses of Christ's first coming. You know what? It was the nobodies that had it right the first time. And you know what? I believe it's going to be the nobodies that have it right the second time he comes back. You know, we've got all the big shots today that are shoving a lot of junk down people's throats when it comes to Christ's second coming. I mean, a lot. They are all in line with each other. All the big book publishers, all the Christian movie makers, when it comes to Christ's second coming, they're all saying one thing. They're all declaring themselves the smart ones. But you know what? I believe there are some humble people out there today. Some people that are despised in many cases, looked down on, that are of no great importance, of no great significance. And I believe those are the ones that God's revealing the truth to just like He did the first time. There's no reason why He's going to change anything the second time. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. I believe the kind of people He used 
at his first coming or be the kind that he uses in his second coming. And I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people. So the lesson you need to get from this today is, you know what? Don't go getting lifted up with pride. You better stay humble. You better stay humble. And you know what else you need to do? You need to be, you need to have faith. You need to learn to just start trusting this Bible and believing God's Word. And be like Mary. And when you see something in the Bible, hey, that's fine with me. You know, it's up to God. Whatever He wants to do, I'm all for it. That should be our attitude across the board. When we read the Bible, when you hear the preaching from the Word of God, when you say, well, God, yep, God definitely said it, that settles it. It's over. End of, end of story. No argument. Let's be obedient. And Because I don't know about you, if I was living during that time, if I would have lived in Bethlehem, I'd hate to have found out years later, let's say I got saved after Jesus started His ministry, and then I hear everybody telling these stories, I'm like, hey, I was in Bethlehem that day. I missed it. you know. Because the truth is, there were a lot of prophecies. We're going to look at some of that tonight at the prophecies about where Jesus was going to be born, about the fact that He was going to be born of a virgin. And the truth is, there's prophecies, we're not going to go into all that, that even made it very clear about the timing of His birth. Bethlehem should have been ready and waiting for this. But they weren't. And a lot, and most people missed. But thank God there were some that saw it. And when Jesus Christ comes the second time, I want to be ready and waiting. And I believe we will if we'll be humble and just have and be people of faith like they were. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for coming to this earth and paying for our sins. Lord, and I just pray You'll help us to learn from these things. Lord, help us to be a humble people. Help us not to get lifted up with pride. And Lord, it's what it must make You feel like to see wicked sinners like us be lifted up with pride. Lord, we know You hate it, and I pray You help us to stay away from it. I pray You help us to be trusting. I pray You help us to be like Mary and Elizabeth and all these other people that were mentioned in this story who were people of great faith and trusted You. And I pray You'll just reveal things to us as You see fit and we'll continue walking in obedience. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead.